Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mayor on Air. I am the mayor of Hinchtown, James Hinchcliffe, and today we bring you from the basement of some theater in St. Pete that's sub-zero temperatures, the second in what we're calling our Legend series of podcasts, and we are joined by a living legend. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce our guest today is none other than a four-time Verizon IndyCar Series champion, a three-time Indianapolis 500 winner, and an all-around great guy. Rolex 24 twice? Only once. Only once. One time Rolex 24 winner, but who's counting? Ladies and gentlemen, Dario Franchitti. Dario. And the crowd goes, wow. <sighs> Come on, Brian, make some noise, damn it. That was quite intro. Thank you. You like that? You like that? So, we thank, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. No worries. If I'd known it was this cold, I would have not bothered though. It's freezing in here, people. Come on, you're from Scotland, man. This is like... Are you cold? And you're from Canada. Come on. It is Touche. Cool. Touche. <laughs> the the AC is cranked pretty high here. Uh, we're here in St. Pete, uh, so we'll, we're we're gonna just we're trying to talk a little bit about IndyCar yep. current season coming up because that just seems appropriate. Uh, obviously, you're an ambassador, coach. What, what's your official title at Chip Ganassi Racing? I don't have one, but I guess I'm referred to different politely. Um, <laughs> what does Chip call you? <laughs> you. <laughs> it's, no, a, it's a family show. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm sort of, yeah, coach a bit, advisor. I mean, I sort of, I just look and listen. Consultant. Consultant is, is another, you know, I just look and listen and use my experience to try and help the guys be more competitive, whether it's you know, with Scott or with, with now with Max. Yeah, yeah, no, no, help, help Scott be more competitive, please. Yeah. That'd be great for it's, all of us. It's funny when I actually can help Scott in any way, shape, or form because it happens so rarely. <laughs> that I get a real Does it just feel out. great? You're like, yeah. 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 Long Beach last year, I taught, I taught my trick at one corner. And then he goes and wins the race. Like, can you just cut it out? Dude, where were you with that one for the last five years? <laughs> well, I was racing against you, exactly. so. <laughs> but that, so that's, that's kind of the, the, the consultant or whatever. Right. Whatever, so, whatever, the, whatever I need to do, to help the guys whatever they need I do so what uh, how are things shaping up for Chip Ganassi Racing for 2016 since how 2015 was such a bust yeah it was a tough one <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know we don't you don't really know do you you show up here and say Pete you think you've had a good testing you know we certainly had good tests at Sonoma good test with the group test at Phoenix we did a, a Sebring test the other day it was like Sebring what can you really tell felt the guys all felt good um I, I really don't know. Yeah. You know, Chevy's got a new aero kit. Honda's got a new aero kit. I would hope we'll be, we'll, we'll certainly we'll be there. Um, if not, Chip will shout at us, and uh, <laughs> we'll have to figure it out pretty quick. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, so as we're as we're talking modern stuff, uh, let's also get over the other gig that you got going on in a minute. You're doing TV for Formula E. How is that going? It, it's really good fun. The, the the Formula E gig is is something I never thought of doing. Um, any kind of TV commentary and. A couple of times I've done sort of small segments in qualifying at the 500, that, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, started off, and I'm very much a rookie at it. I'm one year in, but mm. I'm still learning all the time and sort of finding my own style a bit. And I get to work with Jack Nichols, who's hilarious, and he's a walking encyclopedia of, of, of racing. Um, and he's obviously super high energy, and I'm more less high energy. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we've become a, a good team, and the way we sort of think about it is imagine you're sitting in the living room watching a race with your buddies and you're just talking about it you're just talking about it and that's the sort of what we've we've ended up I guess unintentionally the style that we, we've got and it's it's good great racing um, it's, it's, it's a good series it's growing um, it's not 
it's not going to replace IndyCar or F1. It's a completely different branch of the sport with the, you know, with the, the electric vehicles and um, the technology is growing there very, very quickly. But it's it, it's been a lot of fun to do. It makes for a very hectic schedule. No doubt. <laughs> I mean, they've got a pretty busy travel schedule anyway. Throw on as many IndyCar races as you can in that. I can only imagine what your air miles uh, tally is like by the end of the year. It's pretty sweet right now. How, how did that How did that deal come about? Did you go looking for that, or did they come to you? No, they they came to me. Um, Julian Jacoby and, and Adrian Sussman that work and have worked with me for work, work with me for 20, 20 years, twenty year anniversary. There you go. Yeah. The um. The, the, did they get a watch for that or what? <laughs> maybe actually. <laughs> the I, I think I should get a watch. Um, the they were working with the Formula E guys and and they started discussions about it and and then we, we, we met and, and that was really it. You know, it was kind of a. They took a flyer on me because I'd never done it, and I right. took a flyer on them as the series was was. You know, it was kind of out there a little bit, and nobody really knew what to expect. So I'm very happy to to, to see what the series has gone, and they, they they haven't fired me yet. So, <laughs> so far, so good. So far, so good. If they if it ever came up down the road, however long, whatever, uh, the opportunity to come commentate on IndyCar racing, would you do it? Uh, I've talked about it. I've I've had some discussions, but. I enjoy my job too much yeah, with, with the, Chip. the Chip Ganassi team. I do. I get such a buzz out of it, of what I get to do. I get to work with the same group of people that I worked with for I guess, five or six years and got to win a lot of races and championships and all that. And these people are my friends and my family, and I get to still have that competitive input. Um, the, the, the feeling I got last year of managing to contribute a tiny part of... of of Scott winning the championship, and I'm talking, it was a tiny part, but I, it, to be part of that team winning a championship was, I still got a great feeling. And I was more nervous sitting on the time and stand watching <laughs> that bloody race than I was at any last lap of any Indy 500 or championship. Really? Yeah, I, when I was in the car, I was like, yeah, what, what, what will be will be, you'll get on with it, I'll do, you know. No, no nerves, nothing. So it's worth watching. Uh, Jim McGee <laughs> turned to me at one point and said, just calm down, son. <laughs> <laughs> This should be easy for you compared right. to what you've been through. Yeah, no, no. It's, That's funny, man. Stressful. That's funny. Now, I um, <clears throat> what what about something one-off for like the five hundred? Would you jump in the booth for that? I, I can't really do it because it would interfere with. You what still got to do. do. I mean, it's the, a conflict of interest. It, it, it is. And for me, the month of May is the month. I'm there every day you're invested um yeah it's like literally i get up even get up early which is unheard of but it's every day it's it's your practice you've got to be completely invested you know that as yeah. much as anybody you've got to be focused on it when the race starts and you're, you're you're also building information for the following year it's not just about or the following race it's not just about that one one race going on you're sort of constantly looking at ways to improve how long do you think, how long do you want to hold that position at Chip Ganassi Racing? How long do you want to keep doing this in that sense and traveling all the races and being part of it and having the stress of sitting <laughs> on the pit box? Um, I would like to do it for, I'd like to be involved with the team for a long time if I can be. Um, whether that's um, practical or not, I don't know whether. Like, like do you want to make it to, to Mike Hull's? level of commitment oh, and, and no. time spent in, this, in the team? Or? No, because you've got guys like Mike and, and Scott and Barry, the actual management, the guys who actually have right. a full-time job and right. you know do that. I, I'm, I'm talking tenure-wise, though. No. Well, it, yeah. Do you see yourself still traveling to races when you're 60? No, because I won't be relevant. 
You think the, the experience is no longer yeah, things up to date with today's stuff and yeah, so it will not be. There'll be, you know, I, I can sort of my experience is, is one thing, and that can help in the mental side, all that sort of stuff. But I still know the tracks, I still know the tires, I still vaguely know the car, what's going on with it, you know, all that stuff. The development, the ways that the cars are developing. Um, I mean, Rick's obviously done it at Penske for a long, long time, but Rick's Rick. Rick. <laughs> I mean, Rick's Rick merely he's, he's. Yeah, but you're driving Frank Haiti. Just yeah, you can't. But no. <laughs> but just no. Well, I know I know a lot of people that would maybe argue you on that one. All right, so let's let's talk about it then. Let's talk about your rookie year. Um, let's actually go back a little bit. Obviously, racing over in Europe. You were running for Mercedes and DTM. Tell tell us about your time in DTM a little bit. Fun. Brilliant. Yeah. Probably that that period ninety. 596 is right up there with 1999 for for best time mm. in in racing. Um, I'm actually I'm in the process of starting to write a book, and um, we're we're going through all this just now, and it's really good fun to go back through it and for sure the memories that come up. But yeah, I was I was racing for Jackie Stewart in Formula Three, and Mercedes called me. Um, they went. They actually called Autosport magazine and said, "We're we're trying to come up with a junior program. Who should we look at?" And they said, "Me and, and Oliver Gavin." And so they called me, and I was on a train, and I thought it was a prank call. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that didn't go down well. But I, I, I got the job, and uh, then I nearly got fired for destroying a prototype car. That happens. Yeah. Then I, I managed to qualify pole my first race, so that kind of <laughs> got me out of the doghouse. But Water under the bridge. Yeah, but I, I, I loved that time. Bern Schneider was my teammate. I was driving a, a factory still. Legend. Yeah, just the yeah. nicest guy. Bloody competitive. I wouldn't speak to me after I, I beat him in that first qualifying session <laughs> for about a week. But just one of the great guys, great teammates. Any relationship I've had with my teammates since then, and I think I would say good relationships to, to great relationship with all my teammates since then is what he taught me. Right. And how to, 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 to treat a teammate, whether that's somebody who's of a similar experience level or a, a rookie coming in for sure. uh, as I was to him but that was that was great and then the DTM priced itself out of out of existence basically like right. 100 million dollar budgets right. stuff like that and it wasn't sustainable so um, Paul Morgan who was part of Ilmore uh, and I were sitting next to each other at dinner and he he asked what I wanted to do and I said I wanted to go to America because Jan Magnussen had come over and had a great time driving the, the Hogan Penske car. But at this time, had you done any F1 testing? Did Mercedes get you in a car at any point? I'd driven the McLaren. And was that, was that, was there anything potentially going on there? Well, there wasn't until I came to America, literally. I, did, I came over to do the Hogan test, which Paul Morgan and Norbert Haug organized. And if the test went well, then it was all gonna happen. And if the test went well, and then Ron Dennis phoned me up or somebody from McLaren phoned me up. Actually, I think it was Norbert phoned me up and said, we have to be in Woking on Monday morning because Ron wants to meet. And then he was, was offered a testing contract at McLaren, which was like a seven-year deal. But they could get rid of me at a moment's notice. And all there this no stuff. guarantees of a race ride. Nothing. And I just wouldn't sign the deal. And ultimately, that was the start of the end of my relationship with Mercedes. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't, I wouldn't sign that deal. Um, but it's typical, you wait for a bus and two come along at once. But that was what... You know, Paul Morgan and those guys, Norbert, they got me over to America, and, and then Carl Hogan you know, really, really took care of me. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of funny how it all works out, huh? I guess I guess that was probably a good move at the end of the day. Yeah, it was. I, I guess it worked out okay for Darren. It worked all right, better than I thought it would. Put that way. <laughs> but there was, you know, who knows what would have happened if I'd have done that deal. I could have gone on and. You could have been like Lewis Hamilton, who knows? You know, 
won some races or whatever. Who knows? But I also could have been sitting at home yeah. in 1998 going, oops. Well, no, I mean, at that point, F1 still had limited testing. You would have literally never been home because you would have been testing all the time while the race drivers were at home well, racing and making the big money, and you'd, you'd have been just plan. doing all the work. The plan was I would do an IndyCar race. So I'd finish here, for instance, St. Pete, Sunday night. They'd fly me up to New York. I'd jump the Concord because we still had Concord by then, children. <laughs> Go- Google it if you don't know what a Concord is. You'd take the f- three-hour flight back to London, they'd meet me there, and then they'd fly me to wherever the test was in Europe, and I'd test Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday night, return journey to wherever the IndyCar race was that following weekend. That was going to be the program. That would have been suicide. Yeah, I would have been fit. Yeah. <laughs> you'd have been fit. You'd never have slept. No, no. You would look third. 30 years older than you do, probably, yeah, at the minute. I'll be about 110 then, yeah. You're looking tanned, brother. You're looking a little... You've been spending some time in the sun? Yeah, we spent a bit of time in Miami. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right yeah. over, and we, we had my family and I spent three three weeks as Tony Canaan's neighbor. Oh, gosh. Which is highly recommended, actually. Oh, really? Actually, it's more Lauren Canaan. Yeah, fair neighbor. enough. Um, she, That's the highly recommended part. Yeah. Tony comes with the package. Tony comes there, but, yeah. but it was a lot of fun, that's the same. So let's, let's, let's fast forward, 1999. Driving the cool green car, or the, the blue one. Well, no, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was green or blue that year? Blue it was still green. Blue was 2002, second half okay. of 2002. There you go. And uh, championship comes down to the last race, comes down to a tie-in points with Montoya, falls his way. Two-part question. One, I want to I wanna, I wanna rehash that and talk about what that was like. And then follow-up. Uh, did it make you feel better that last year Dixon took the championship from Montoya in the exact same way? <laughs> oh. You can answer the first one, the second one first if you want. <laughs> was there some little part of you that was just like, yes, like a little bit, like, obviously Scott won, team guy won, good friend won, all the rest of it. But was a little bit of you extra happy or no? Was that? You know, I hate to get serious, particularly when you're, <laughs> just, I don't know what you so mean. I don't know what you mean. I mean, you, and you'll get this. That the '99 season was a great season. It was a great battle with Montoya. I mean, it went back and forwards, and you know, I think the, the race that I'm maybe most proud of was the, the Surfers Paradise race in '99. Um, was able to qualify pole by like second, led all the laps, forced Monty into mistake. I won the race, did what I had to do to keep the championship alive, and I'm probably most proud of that race. And then Fontana had. You know, the race went on. We had a problem with the wheel nut, um, but as I like to say, the, the race was not lost. The championship was not lost in Fontana. The right. championship is, is won over a season. It's not right. a race. But I honestly, if you ask me about that championship, I don't feel anything because it all comes down to to, to Greg Dine. Right. And I could care less. Yeah. I honestly could care less that I didn't win it. Who did win it? Did Wasn't win it. nothing else mattered. Honestly, to yeah. this day, I have no emotion about that whole that whole that thing. part of the situation. But you know, just second part of your question, I was pretty happy that Dix <laughs> beat him on a tiebreak for simply because it was. I would have liked him to beat him clearly, but he, Dix did everything he could to win that day. Um, I was a little disappointed in, in, in Montoya. You know, we're, we're old pals. And throughout that whole season in 99 of fighting, it was intense at times. We always were friends. Um, and at the end of it, you know, it was like, 
whatever happened, even during the season, it was there was always that respect. And when he when he sort of made the comments about Dixon, you know, having a crap season and all this stuff, it was like I I, I didn't think that it was 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 right, and I don't I don't think he, he really did himself any favors, Monty. I just I felt. It, it wasn't some expected from him, basically. Yeah. It's also some <clears throat> remarks in the uh, banquet that were not super complimentary of a certain organization that gave him a lot of opportunities and a lot of success. It paid him a lot. And paid him a lot of money. Yeah, I don't know what was going on with that. But, you know, Mon- Monty's Monty, and, and he's, he's an, he is still a, a great pal of mine. But he, I just don't think that period of time... Yeah. Like, did himself any favors no for sure all right so i i want to I bring up one quick story before we take another break and come back uh my engineer is alan mcdonald <laughs> he used to have red hair when i worked with him. really it's white now it's it's completely i'm surprised it's still there that was my me. fault <laughs> <laughs> um affectionately known as squirrel we won't get into that but it's a great story it's a great story and uh so as I was as I was sitting there today, you know, briefing for St. Pete, I said, "Hey, Squirrel, you got to give me a, you got to give me a good Dario story." How, how many years did you work with Squirrel? I worked with Squirrel for five, <clears throat> honestly, five great years. There you go, five great years with Al McDonald. In one year, uh, you guys were racing in Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and you were, dude. Well, then you tell the story because I think this is the one about your mom, right? Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. you tell the story because it's going to be so much better coming from you. This story was brilliant. Yeah, my mum didn't come to a lot of races. Um, anybody that knows my mum, she's a fairly fiery character. Uh, my dad came to all my races and just like would hang out with his buddies and play golf. And, you know, more. My dad know, knows more people in the IndyCar paddock than I do. Anyway, we go to Montreal and um, we had the Lola by that point. Beautiful car to drive. Honda were giving us big horsepower engines. We're on the F1 track. It was, it was all cool. Anyway, we're in practice and it's just a dog the thing was just terrible and I come out of I can't remember if it was Friday practice or Saturday morning and Saturday morning was it Saturday morning P19 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 we should I mean it was just I'm like what squirrel what's going on anyway I, I leave to go back to the truck to do my map and stuff and to berate squirrel some more but he's closing up the timing stand to which my mum who's at the race walks up and says something like Hello, I'm Dario's mum. He's like, oh, hello, Mrs. Frankiti, how are you? He's very polite when he's nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And she, she, she's only five foot nothing, my mum. She looks kind of up at him because he's not the tallest person in the world and says, why is my son's car so slow? What, what are you going to do about it? Well, this is just not acceptable. <laughs> we qualified on pole. And how'd the race go? We won the race. And you won the race. It was, it was an epic race. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and Squirrel still credits it to my mom. It's, it's so funny because when he tells a story, I mean, he puts on the accent. He said, I mean, she berated him because at the particular moment she walked up, him and Tino Belli were discussing their son's go-karting. Oh, I didn't know that bit. Yeah, so she walks up and says something along the lines of, my son's 19th and you're here discussing your son's go-karting and just, just absolutely <laughs> rips him apart. So they go on, qualify, qualify pole, win the race. And uh, I believe she went up to him after the fact and said, now don't make me have to come talk to you again, <laughs> which is the best. And that was our first year together. For the next five years, he would say, please, please, please don't 
please don't call your mom. <laughs> Literally, if we're having a bad day, he would say, please don't call your mom. Well, that's actually kind of funny because I told him to expect a visit from my mom uh, Friday afternoon because apparently that's like the motivation that he needs. It's the way to go. So that's what we're going to do. All right. Well, it's funny. You know, we were talking about Al McDonald, talking about Squirrel. So I wanted to come full circle. We talked about your first year together. This is obviously your last year together back in 2007. Ended up in a championship. Ended up in an Indy 500. All in all, that was the start of kind of what for for me, I think the way I see it, that was the start of Dario making the Dario legend. You know, like obviously you'd, you'd had successes, you'd been running running for championships, winning races, but that was the beginning of a run that, other than a slight sabbatical in '08, was I mean next level. Yeah, we, I didn't expect it. You know, I'd won races like you say, won quite a few, um, and I was, I was honestly thinking I was getting to the point it was about to be time to stop. In the 2005, I won at Fontana with the infamous Tony hitting the pit lane speed limiter button, which is a load of crap. He just he knew that I'd helped him out a lot in 2004 to, to win his championship, with, and he just was paying me back. Um, and I literally thought, Gilles de Fern in end of 03, won his last race and stopped, and I was seriously thinking of end of 05, I'm just going home. I'd won at Fontana, I'd kind of exercised a few demons there I guess right. I just thought sod it I'm a, uh, and then I did deal in 06 and we sucked in 06 we were terrible the only race we probably should have won well two races actually here in St. Pete and the suspension collapsed I was driving away from the field and then at Sonoma when I had enough fuel to finish and Marco didn't and the yellow magically appeared but anyway it was a crap season and then I know, crashed a historic car knocked myself out Mm. at Goodwood and missed the last race so it wasn't a great off season and to be honest I was struggling to get Michael to sort of re-sign me the sponsors were mm, and I think it was only really Michael's relationship with, that, that we'd built together he still believed in me that they got me a drive for 07 and it was one of those mad it became this mad period because we won Sebring with, with Tony and, and Brian in the Acura Won the championship, won the 500, and then won the, 2000, the 2008 Daytona 24 hours in that in that short period. It was just, it all started clicking. Um, Alan and I got fed up getting beaten. We got fed up being the set of the nice guys that were getting beaten. We always had a great relationship, and it was easy to, it's so easy to work with Alan. But we got fed up, and over the winter we figured out where we were getting beaten by the other teams. Um, we got John Anderson on the radio. And the, the you know the, the the pit crew were just fabulous and it all just worked and, and off we went. And that was <clears throat> like I said, other than the brief sabbatical to NASCAR, then you come back obviously Chip Ganassi and I mean the rest is history. People people know that story. Uh, we don't need to touch too much on it. I want to talk a little bit about teammates though, because you kind of touched on it earlier, right from DTM through uh, through your last days at uh, at Ganassi. You've had the chance to work with some pretty uh, pretty cool guys and pretty good drivers. What are some of your, what are some of the takeaways that you've ta you've got from, you know, working with with every? I mean, it doesn't matter the series, doesn't matter the team. What are some of the guys that have the biggest impact on you? Um, the first guy I would say is Jan Magnussen because in the Formula Three season I won the first race and he won the next sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> that Take you, that. Yeah, it teaches you a certain amount of resilience. <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously Bernd Schneider we've, we've we've talked about, and then Jan was my another one of the teammates there I got my own back <laughs> but you know Paul Tracy was what'd you learn from Paul I learned from Paul 
how to how just not to play games I think and that's one thing Burns had it too and, and Paul came in there and Paul had a tough time because he came in as the, the guy who'd won a load of races had driven for Penske was on the big money deal I came in as this guy who'd finished 20th in the points in the year before mm-hmm. and I went on one some races that year finished third and he struggled but he didn't didn't change the way he worked with me just we still had that relationship we crashed into each other over five years <laughs> our relationship never changed yeah Barry was pulling his bloody hair out but Paul and I it never changed um, he was he was great obviously the, 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 the TK Brian Dan relationship was was very very special people would say oh yeah you guys are just faking that no we were we were like brothers and we fought like brothers too trust me yeah. it wasn't all but that's healthy, I think. That's part of a healthy relationship, right? I think so. If there was a problem, we dealt with it. I remember after Phoenix one year, dragging Dan into a hotel room with, with Brian and Tony and just berating him for, for something that he'd done and not played as a teammate. Um, we all wanted to be the top dog there, but we knew how to work as a team. It's know? tough when that, with that many top dogs in the stable, right? Yeah, it, it really is. And then, of course, we Dan went off to... To, to drive for, for Chip and the target team um, and Marco came along and you know we used to we, we joke we used to say that, that uh, Dan was high maintenance and then we got Marco <laughs> <laughs> but you know Marco really has, has matured into a, a bloody good driver and and a good dude we're, we're yeah he's a good dude he's we're, a good guy we are we're, we're good friends um, it's funny we haven't watched him grow up though from a kid. for sure um and then we lost Brian to the sports car program and we got Danica and we joked that we thought Marco was high maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but again, DP is still a great friend. And, and But Tony and I went from having this group of four guys that we felt like we were the, the parents with two right. functional kids that would argue all the time. And, so that was kind of interesting. Um, and then came Dixon. And I always, I'll, I'll be 100% honest, when I went into that team, I didn't know what to expect. I just had my head beaten in a NASCAR. I beat Scott to the championship just. <laughs> the last, the last, last turn, the last, last turn. I, I, I pushed him to run out of fuel, and he ran out of fuel, and I, I got it. That could have gone either way. Again, people say it was that last corner, and that was a season-long thing. I ebbed and flowed. And I just thought, if I can not embarrass myself against this guy, it might be job done. And so when I was able to compete and then, and then win the championships, I was proud because I don't, of all the great teammates I've had, I'm not quite sure I've had one as complete as the Ginger Kiwi. I'm not sure there's another guy out there as complete as him. God, he's a pain in the arse. Yeah, you're telling me. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's lovely being on the <laughs> same side so you're, now. <laughs> you're, you're over it now. Uh, he just knew that any day he could beat you. You just knew you had to be on your A game. And, you know, I thought, no false modesty here. I taught him a lot and he taught me a lot. Such different characters, such different ways of going racing. And we sort of, I think, really helped each other become more complete racing drivers. And he is also, if he is listening to this, he'll cringe. He's one of the best human beings I've ever met. Yeah. He's quite exceptional. Um, and I didn't expect that. He's got a great family, beautiful wife, two cute kids. Like, do you, is there anything that he can't do? That, is there anything wrong with Scott? Can you please tell me? Oh, he can't play basketball. He Terrible is rubbish. Singer. 
Terrible Singer. Terrible Singer. Although he, he does do great uh, Ice Ice Baby. Okay. His favorite song is Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. That's his favorite song. And Vanilla Ice followed me on Twitter before he followed him. Oh. So that was like bragging rights for three minutes. It's funny. We had Dixon on the show. I don't remember him nominating Ice Ice Baby as one of the songs for the breaks. Really? Yeah. Huh. We'll have to... Uh, didn't we do all oh, the Zealand songs though? No, no, I think didn't he do we things did Lord, for his kids? Or no, that was Ed. No, no, remember there was there was one of the songs that that like Poppy was really into at the minute. It was Michael Jackson. It was not Michael Jackson. Well, it was because he said he had to explain to her. That okay, well there, well, there was another one. <laughs> there was another one. And anyway, anyway, it's good yeah. to know that he's an Ice Ice Baby fan. Yeah, he is. Is there is there a driver that you would have liked to have been teammates with that you didn't get to at any scale time point of your career? Or do you think you lucked out and, and hit I'm on some of the best? I'm very happy, but I would. I think the people I got to race against were. were How about someone you you, got to, you didn't get to race against that you would have loved to properly go wheel to wheel with? I mean Mario. Yeah. Rick Mears. I'm, I'm just talking indie car guys now. You know, F1 was, was a list too, but Rick and Mario. Obviously, guys like AJ would have been amazing, but I missed Rick and Mario by not a lot. Um, that would have been cool. But uh, yeah, I'm sure they would have schooled schooled you. We had uh, we had a uh, we're gonna go to some fan questions now. Um, I appreciate you talking about your teammates. I <clears throat> got a got a fan question this morning that I think is just appropriate to ask right now. Because um, because we're talking about teammates, uh, who would you say, uh, in your opinion, is the best looking teammate you've ever had, excluding Danica? Dan, Paul, Brian, Tony, Charlie, Scott, or Graham? That was that was the question. Yeah, I mean, I think that question, there is only one answer, and that is Marco Andretti. There you go. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that makes sense. That Who's makes that sense. So thank you, uh, MA2727 at AOL.com <laughs> for submitting your question. <laughs> <laughs> that that legit, ladies and gentlemen, that question actually did come to me, um, <laughs> which I thought was kind of hilarious. Um, okay, so here's some actual serious ones, and this one is always something I've kind of thought about. I mean, I've, I think I kind of know, but I'd like to hear your take on it. Before getting in the car on race days, you would always be sitting on the ground against your tires. When did you start doing that? And did you have any other strange pre-race rituals? I don't remember when I started doing that. I remember doing it at Indy a lot, and as, when I was, you would always know if I was under a lot of stress because I would do that. Mm -hmm. I looked like that was, I was your escape. Falling asleep, but yeah. I was actually, it was just like, okay, this is, I'm, I'm overloading here. And I, I would spend a lot of time, like before the race at Indy, you know it as well as I do. It, everything that was happening was in my head. Nothing outside existed. It was, it's weird to say, but nothing outside existed. The first time I ever saw that 350,000 people was the first, when I drove the pace car in 14. I walked out with my mum First time she'd been to India, and I went, wow. This looks cool. <laughs> I've never seen that. Um, Will Power and I were talking about it. We, we have, people will be like, maybe amazed to know that Will and I have these lots of deep discussions about you know driving and things and you know, what we went through. And I, I would say, I say to my laugh, I say, you know, everybody knew what you were going through. I never, I never ever let anybody see me bleed. I always, that's actually a pretty bad pun. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Hinge. Too soon, bro. Too soon. But That's why I wear a black suit. <laughs> but seriously, that, that, I never 
let anybody see what was going on inside. So that that was why that happened. I would just be kind of calming myself down. Any anything else that you, that you would do? Always got in the car the same way. Always got dressed the same way. Always got in the car. You were one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, I hate just, you. Sorry. It's, it's, it's a mind trigger. Yeah. Okay. It's okay, but okay, so let me ask you this then. If you got in on the wrong side of the car because something happened and you were in a rush and you got on the wrong side of the car, or you put your gloves on in the wrong order or something, did you immediately think that your day was ruined? I never did it. You just never let that happen? No. It, it was a real tough thing for me to drive the Acura <coughs> sports car because I had to get in from the right. <laughs> you know, you're screwing up my finger. And, and I, I can't put um, my helmet on in the car. What do you mean? It's, I've got to be in here in ten seconds. I've got to adjust my belts and my seat. I'm notorious for my yeah. My, you my you were known for taking taking a while to get ready and get situated yeah. in the car. Surprised I won a sports car race actually. <laughs> uh, all right, another fan question. What was your favorite car to drive in on what track? Crikey, I mean it, just off the top of my head, Road America, um, ninety nine. The 98 car was, was, was cool, winning that first race, but then the, the, the lap record car in 2000... Um, that still holds, right? That still holds. That was... was a, I was struggling with the after effects of, of the, the big brain injury from Homestead and all this stuff that was going on with that in 2000. And I could do one lap, though. I struggled with the race, but I could do one lap. And I remember starting that lap going, I've really screwed up turns one and two. So I just monstered it the rest of the lap. And, Lo and behold, that all sort of worked out. That was it, yeah. Okay, we're gonna end with this one because again, it's sort of on the teammate topic. We just need one super embarrassing Dixon story. Caitlin really wants a super embarrassing Dixon story, and I know, I know they exist. I know they do. I mean, I've got some that I just cannot say. I've got here. some I can't say, but that's the problem. He's so buttoned up until he's really unbuttoned. <laughs> no... Oh, I've got one I can probably tell. Um, in Japan and. God, what year was it? Oh nine, I think we finished one two. Uh, we should have finished the other way around, but uh, <laughs> what was the Brazilian kid's name got in the way when I was lapping him? Mm, anyway, Rias. no, no. What's this? The other one that rode for for Dragon? Matos. Rafa. Rafa. And he, I would, yeah, still <laughs> makes me mad. Anyway, um, we went to Tokyo afterwards. Hinches nodding. Knowingly here because we go to this shop bar. Geronimo's! <laughs> oh, no. Well, we had a little too much to drink. What? Um, that never happens. Then the next morning, Dixon, I took I took Dixon to the airport. I had to call him. I had to go to his room, make sure he was ready. We took him to the airport, and in McDonald's in the airport, he was trying to <laughs> converse with the Japanese people in Japanese at the top of the top of his voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it that uh, Dixie's not super fluent in Japanese. He can say please and thank you. Okay. That was about it. <laughs> and then that was just yeah. And then he fell asleep on the floor of the lounge. Sounds about, <laughs> sounds about right. Speaking of partying, I just need to know because it's topical because we're here. You were part of that uh, famous historic one, two, three, four finish with Andretti Green at the time mm-hmm. here in St. Pete. What was that after party like? I was mad. Oh, because I I had the race won on several occasions, but the the uh, thing in the fuel tank, the collector, had been mm-hmm. putting upside down, so it was only getting a half fill every time. Ah, oh. so I was a little mad. Um, but I remember on the podium realizing that this was something special, and it was one of those occasions. Like, look, get over. Here. 
yourself. Yeah. This is a pretty cool. One, this two, is, three, four. This is history right here. And there was the three of us, and Brian was off on the side, and we all, there's a picture of us all going, hi, get your arse up here. Um, I don't remember the after party, so it was either didn't so, happen or it was massive. It was great. Oh, come on. Dan was involved 100%. <laughs> there was an after party it in his hometown was. after he won the race. There you go. And we're looking now. Just Buzzkill Brian just brought up, brought up the picture. And, uh, yeah, there you go. One of many very historic moments that you've contributed to our sport. Mr. Dario Franchitti, I want to thank you so much it's for coming you. on. Mare on Air, the Legend Series, number two, Dario Franchitti. We're here, Sirius 212, XM209. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back with more next week. This is Matt Lauer. It's Savannah Guthrie. I'm Al Roker. I'm Natalie Morales. Today's show radio. Good morning from the plaza. Beautiful morning in New York. And a big good morning to all our serious XM listeners. I'm Hoda Kotb. This is Kathy Lee Gifford with TV's biggest stars. Hollywood icons. We have a fun show. Live concerts. Behind the scenes updates. We have it all for you coming up on today. So exciting. I love it. From your home to your car. Today's show radio. Sirius XM channel 108. Mad Dog Unleashed. Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds, who basically torched the record book. With Christopher Russo. Can be hitting instructors on the Major League team, yet we can't get Pete Rose reinstated in Major League Baseball? How do I know that McGuire's not sticking steroid needles up some 22-year-old's rear end to get him to hit better? How do I know that? What is more important in baseball than the record books? Nothing. Who's the hit king? Who is it? Weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Sirius XM 82. Hi, I'm Joe Stoss. Hi, I'm Melissa Francis. Hi, I'm Neil Cavuto. I'm Jerry Willis. This is Lou Dobbs. Fox Business is on Sirius XM. We're not red or blue. We're all about the green, your money. We want prosperity. From the latest newsmakers to the insight and analysis anyone with a wallet needs to know. It's not about financial regulation. Now hear this. Fox Business on Sirius XM 113. Plus, now you can hear Fox News Channel, Fox News Talk, and Fox Business online. Or in your smartphone with the Sirius XM app. No matter what you consider yourself in the 80s. Sportos, motorheads, geeks. The Big 80s on 8 has your music covered with the most awesome rad hits of the decade. That's the power of love. Hosted by the original PJs. Mark Goodman. Martha Quinn. Alan Hunter. Nina Blackwood. Excellent. Be sure to also catch the weekly VJ Big 40 Countdown. First listen happens Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. Exclusively on Channel 8 and the Sirius XM app. Your SiriusXM subscription includes CNBC. CNBC is first in business worldwide. We have live team coverage of the markets right now. Right now, the Dow is up 155 points. Well, we want to ask now, can the economy recover enough to start a new rally on Wall Street? What happens is, is that economies turn. The Fed's easy. They're printing money. Volume has been particularly low on Friday when you saw the markets come up. The latest business news from Wall Street to Main Street to your street. CNBC. SiriusXM 112. Radio on Sirius XM delivers the latest business and financial news from around the world. Global stocks continue to climb. Breaking economic and market news as it happens. Let's move on and talk about all this money flooding into the U.S. With need-to-know insights. Two very different views on the future for stocks and economic growth. Investing, technology, and how it all affects you. Where to turn to put yield in your fixed income portfolio. Bloomberg Radio, Sirius XM 119, or stream through the new and improved Sirius XM app. 
news in a way you've never heard it before. With headlines every 15 minutes. A brand new channel that delivers your world of news. We are live on the scene with breaking details. Business. So what does all of this mean for U.S. markets? Sports. Fox News Headlines brings you sports sooner. What's trending? The latest from the ever-changing digital world. And entertainment. Everyone was talking about it all over social media. All the information you need. Ready when you are. Fox News Headlines. Sirius XM 115. Or stream through the new and improved Sirius XM app. Sirius XM's Urban View is a force that shapes your world. I'm Madison, the Black Eagle, and every weekday morning, I lead a national conversation on current events, and we always ask, what are you going to do about it? Urban View also includes Reverend Al Sharpton. Keeping it real. The always inquisitive Karen Hunter. I need some answers. And Armstrong Williams. Conversation, information, and inspiration from the African-American perspective. Urban View, Sirius XM 126, and on the Sirius XM app.